0: Amen. Thank you so much. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. You know, this is always one of my favorite Sundays because everyone loves a parade. I was telling our Saturday congregation, uh, you know, I I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh when every I, I didn't know then that I was poor. All, all of our friends, were, we were in the same boat. And, a, and an outing for my sister and myself was for my mother to put us on the streetcar and take us down to Pittsburgh for a parade. I thought that was the greatest event in all the world. Uh, this is, uh, in the Bible, there is what we call the Palm Sunday Parade. And the people that were looking at that, this parade thought this was the greatest parade that they had ever seen. In Luke chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 37, the scripture says, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they have seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Everybody's always trying to put a a little uh, rain on your parade. They're having a good time. The Pharisees are saying, listen, what's wrong with your disciples? They're making too much noise. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Now, I've underlined that in my Bible because that's important to me. Seldom does somebody at a parade break forth in tears, but Jesus did, saying, If you would have known, even you, especially in this, your day. I've underlined the word your day because that's important. Um, This was the day that Jesus offered himself to the nation of Israel as their Messiah. In a most unique way, he came riding into town on a donkey. And that was the fulfillment of an ancient Old Testament prophecy. He said, listen, this is your day. And the things that make for your peace, and now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when the enemy will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is a prophecy concerning the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And it was fulfilled not too many years later. Uh, This is, as I said before, one of my favorite Sundays because after church I think we'll have some people out there on the front porch, some kids out there giving out palms. I remember uh, growing up uh, as a little, uh, my earliest recollections, I was growing up in McKee's Rocks and uh, we would go to my grandmother's house. I I seldom ever refer to this grandmother. This is my father's mother. Her name was Grace Arnold. She, too, was a devout Christian, just like my other grandmother, who lived in Connellsville. And I remember going over her house, and she had that old, worn Bible. And it was just so awesome, man. She read the Bible. It was, in, it, was in, it was shattered because of her use of the Bible. And I remember up on her wall was this big picture of Jesus. It was a nighttime picture of Jesus overlooking the city at night. And above the, above the picture, there was a palm branch, always, on top of the picture, and she would go to church, her church, on Palm Sunday and she'd get a new palm branch. She'd take the old one down, she'd put the other one up and stay there for a year. And I remember going in there and looking at that palm branch and saying to myself, you know, boy, I wish I, had a, I, wish I could have a palm branch. I, I would take the palm branch out and I would play with it. I had to put it back up. And uh, I can never remember our par- my parents taking me to church when in those young years like that. I just wanted that palm branch so much. Well those uh, Those impressions uh, last a lifetime, they really do, but our story this morning is filled with palm branches i'd like to introduce to you quickly this morning the uh, an entourage that came with Jesus in this parade. First of all, there's Lazarus, remember him? Uh, Lazarus He was known in town as the person who had been dead. How would you like to have a testimony like that? Hey, here's my buddy John. he used to be dead. He did? Sure. Lazarus, that was, that's what they called him. Lazarus, who had been dead. He was dead. So here he was. John chapter 12, verse 9. We have that verse back there. Let's read this together. Then a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead... But the chief priests took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death. Boy. You know, this Palm Sunday parade, of course, the center figure was Jesus, but the secondary figure was Lazarus. They not only wanted to see Jesus, they wanted to see Lazarus because he was living proof of the power of Jesus. He was resurrected from the dead, taken right out of the dead. Uh, It was quite a miracle. And uh, whenever people saw Lazarus coming they they always attributed that to the power of jesus he was an important character and then there was zacchaeus remember him uh my wife and i first time we went to israel you know you take so many pictures when you go somewhere for the first time you know she used to always chew me out quit taking pictures of of things you know i'm snapping pictures of and you get them home you have no clue what they are what they are and I remember we pulled up into Jericho and the tour bus driver said, no, this is the sycamore tree. that They think it was the exact one, of course, that Zacchaeus was in. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm over there taking pictures of this crazy tree. It looks like any other tree on the planet, you know. I'm, I'm trying to get through the people to take the pictures of this tree. Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, what the Bible says, was a tax collector. The Tea Party people wouldn't like him at all. Uh, He was rich uh, because he was a tax collector. Luke 19, verse 9 and 10, let's read this. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. So the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, this guy climbed up in the tree to find Jesus. And Jesus saw him there and he said, listen, today salvation has come to your house. I see your faith. And then we have this last section, these last two lines there, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You know, I tell you, our church, all the time, let's be interested in winning the lost to Christ because remember one day, that's where you were. One day there was a church somewhere that was telling the very same thing I'm telling you their people to go out and care about you and you know it's so interesting uh, that jesus cares about lost people all the time you know the bible says for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost when i grow a little dull in my zeal for souls i'm comforted to know that jesus is never in that state he's always on the hunt for people you know we are so easily distracted you know, we have a million and one things going on in our life and, and we, we, a, after a while we don't even think of the important things. And Oh, but I'm so thankful that Jesus is, always has the important thing on his mind. People like you and people like me. That's the closest thing to the heart of God today, I think. And so there was Zacchaeus and, and uh, Zacchaeus thought he was looking for Jesus but Jesus said, no, I've been looking for you. And you know the circumstances of our life bring us into proximity to Christ. Sometimes people will invite somebody to church, they'll listen to a friend, they'll turn on a radio program, they'll do all sorts of things, and they get the idea, you know, I have an interest in God, but I'm here today to tell you that God's always had an interest in you. God's always been looking for you. Uh, Never has a seeking Savior and a seeking sinner ever failed to meet. Let's, Let's say this statement together, okay? A seeking Savior and a seeking sinner never fail to me. Well, let me say to you today, Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is looking out for you. He wants you. He wants to save your soul. He wants to erase, eradicate the barrier that that you have erected between you and God, and that's your sinful life. He wants to tear that down so that you can have communion with the Lord. Uh, When Jesus saw... Uh, This guy, Zacchaeus, up in the sycamore tree, he said, come down, I'm going to go to your house. Man, that would be a shock, wouldn't it? And uh, the leaders were mad that Jesus would go to the house, and you know the reason why they were mad? They said that Zacchaeus is a sinner. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? As though they weren't. You know, why go to his house? He's a sinner. We know Zacchaeus was a sinner and he knew it, but the other people were sinners and didn't know it, because everybody is a sinner, right? We're all sinners, and uh, and so this was the reputation of Jesus. Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, uh, and let me say to you today, he wants to be your friend. In fact, he is your friend, and he's doing everything he can to extend his hand of friendship to you to bring you to salvation. Well, whenever he extended his hand of friendship to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had an immediate conversion. You know why? Because immediately he wanted to do restitution. He wanted to make things right that was wrong in his life. And that's the mark of salvation. Do you know that? When somebody accepts Jesus as their Savior and they they go out and they say, listen, things are going to change in my life. That's a mark that a person has really been touched by God. And so, you know what he said? He said, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. Boy, something happened to him. And he said, if I've taken anything by false accusation, I'll restore fourfold. Uh, immediately, his life was just changed dramatically, just like that. Just like the Bible says a person's life will be changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there are a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Someone said one time that the last thing to become converted in the life of anybody is their wallet. You know, I mean, you can have a head conversion, you can have an arms conversion, eyes conversion. The last thing to be converted is your wallet. Now, the interesting thing here is that was the first thing that was converted on Zacchaeus. He was completely converted. He really was. Well, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus loves you. Let me tell you this. Jesus is rooting for you. He is pulling for you, every one of you in this church today. He's pulling for you through the power of his spirit. He's drawing you to himself. He wants to show you in this Easter season how much he really loves you. It's very powerful. There was another person in the Palm Sunday parade. His name was Bartimaeus. What do you know about him? He was blind, right? And so when he heard Jesus was coming through, he wouldn't be denied, and he had faith. Mark 10:47 says this, Let's read it. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David was a messianic term, and uh, the Messiah was supposed to come and ascend the throne of his father David. And so he knew that Jesus was the Messiah that he had been looking for, even though he couldn't see with his eyes, he saw with his heart. And he made this tremendous statement, have mercy on me. What does that exemplify? It exemplifies a humble heart. And you know, when you have a humble heart, God will come to you. Do you know that? Uh, have mercy on me. That's a wonderful statement. In Matthew 15, 22, the Bible says there was a woman of Canaan. She came out of the coast of Canaan. She cried out to the Lord, Have mercy on me, and the Lord, and the Lord did. And here in Mark chapter 10, verse 47 and 48, this man they said, Listen, settle down. And he said, No. He said, He cried out the second time, Have mercy on me. And you know when you cry out with a humble heart to the Lord, he loves to hear that prayer. He really does. In Luke 16, 24. Uh, the Lord was telling a story. And the Bible says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Um, You know, there, there are different ways you can call out for mercy on God. You can call out now while you're alive and be saved. But this story, this guy called out in hell and it was too late for him. And so the, I think God is bending over the, uh, over out of heaven today with His ear, just waiting for you to say, "Lord, have mercy on me." Yeah, that's a sign of a humble heart. Uh, there was another story in the Bible. Remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector? Uh, they went up to pray, and boy, what a story it is! The Bible says the Pharisee prayed for himself. You know, he extolled all of his virtues. I'm not like this guy. Uh, I fast, uh, I give tithes, I do all these things. Look at me, God. And, and then the tax collector, the Bible says he wouldn't even raise his head, but he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And uh, the scripture says he went away justified. It's a wonderful thing to uh, be reduced to the place that you have to call out on mercy to God. There are many people today who won't call out, call out in mercy to God because they're too proud I know a person uh, not long ago who had a very big job I mean it was like you would salivate almost if you're into jobs and one day somebody came and their companies merged and they presented him with a pink slip and his life was shattered because his whole life was wrapped up in his job and his self-importance his life was shattered and the only place that he could turn to was the place that he had never turned to before, and that was God. And through his brokenness, his humble heart, he gave his life to Jesus. He just told me the other day, Pastor, I've just finished reading the Bible. He's a transformed man. God had to reduce him to show him that he loved him. Because the only people that can come to God are people with a humble heart. That's the the key to the entrance into the presence of God. He didn't have a humble heart before that. Uh, This message that Jesus was preaching, uh, in John chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, And when he found a young donkey, he sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Well, that's an Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Can you imagine in the the throes of all of this parade, all of this noise, Jesus couldn't get up and preach a sermon? It was too noisy. And so, what he did is he gave an object lesson. And you and I know that a picture is worth at least a thousand words. And so, Jesus gave an object lesson. And if anybody would have been in tune with the Old Testament prophecy, they would have known that the Messiah was coming on a donkey. And so here, Jesus. This is his last offer of himself to the nation of Israel. Uh, John one uh, verse eleven and twelve says, "He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become the children of God." Uh, Jesus is presenting himself, and but you know this parade turned very sour for him, and we just we read it here in Luke nineteen. He was disappointed. Look back at your Bible in verse 41. Now he drew near, and he saw the city, and he wept over it. Now I've mentioned this to you a few times before, but it's worth repeating. In the New Testament, it is said two times that Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the English Bible is John 11.35. It said Jesus what? Wept. Let's say it together. Jesus wept. The Greek word there in John 11.35 means this, it means that he shed a tear. Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you know, you're just moved emotionally and you just, you feel, you're starting to leak, right right here. You just feel, you're not gonna really break down but you're just, you're sad. That was at the funeral of Lazarus, his friend. When he saw, looked around at the broken hearted people, the funeral, he shed a tear. There is another Greek word that's used right here. And the other Greek word means this a loud expression of grief. Jesus broke down and bawled over the city of Jerusalem. He lost it, he started to weep demonstratively. Openly. Why? Because he saw their unbelief. He had been with them three years and now he offers himself to them in this final grand uh, way. Uh, and this is the only se- thing in the Bible, the only time in the Bible that we have Jesus weeping like this. Uh, these people were unrepentant. And he makes this prophecy. He said, Listen, if you'd only known that this is your day, this was the day that you could have had peace. You could have accepted me. Now, what does all of this mean today? It means this. There is nothing that makes the Lord more sorrowful than when he is rejected as a Savior. Now, I want that to sink in. There is nothing that makes Jesus more sorrowful as when you say no to his offer of salvation for you. The reason why is he loves you so much. If you had a kid and they went astray, would it break your heart? I remember your mom, Garnet Beach. She used to always tell me a mother is only as happy as her most unhappy kid. If you had a kid who went astray and you never thought there were any hopes for them, would you be broken? You'd be more than broken. Listen, that's what Jesus is. Uh, there's nothing that makes the Lord more sorrowful than, a, than to be rejected as his offer of salvation. You know, Jesus doesn't come uh, uh, the way that we see him come here in the scriptures. He comes today uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and he knocks on your heart. And you know, you have, a, you have the choice to open your, your heart's door or not. He won't break, the, he won't kick the door down, he won't crash in on your life. But I'll tell you, when you see that cross back there, that's a plus sign for you. That's how much Jesus loves you. You might say, nobody ever loves me. They they always treat, they always just try to get something out of me. Listen, not Jesus. Jesus loves you completely. So much so that he died upon the cross for your sins. And, and when you say no to him, it breaks your heart. Now I'm going to throw you a curve. Are you ready? You might say, "Well, that was way back then." You know, I still think Jesus feels the same way about souls today as he did then, because he never changes. He never changes, and so when you come to a church like this and you and you have an offer of salvation and you say, "Listen, you put up a big sign, no, not for me, it's someone for someone else," I think in some way that Jesus still cries for you. I can't explain that theologically but I have to believe it because he never changes. When you say no to Christ because he loves you so much, he must be crying in some way, in his way. It's nice to know that somebody loves you, isn't it? In a world that abuses you, takes advantage of you, uh, Jesus loves you. He proved it. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. That's, that's proof, isn't it? A lot of people say, oh, I love you, I love you. They're only words, right? Jesus said, listen, he screamed, I love you, when he died upon the cross for your sins. And he just wants you to love him in return. He wants you to embrace him. And you know you can really love somebody like that, can't you? The thing that drew me to Christ when I was a young kid was the love of God for me. What Jesus did upon the cross, when I saw it was really for me, it broke me down. It broke my heart because my sin put Christ upon the cross. And I said, Lord, I said those magic words, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. And you know what God did? He answered my prayer. Let's say it together. God, be merciful to me. God, be merciful to me. Ah, those are beautiful words. You know, when you say that from your heart to God, he's right there, you know that? Because he wants to save your soul. That's why he came into this world. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, maybe maybe you've been to church for years and maybe... Uh, Maybe you've never opened your heart to Christ. Maybe you've never said, with a humble heart. Maybe somebody twisted your arm one day and made you pray a prayer. Listen, that maybe but you never said with a humble heart, God, look at me. I'm broken. I'm, 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 I'm reduced. I'm lost. I'm separated from you because of my sin. Have mercy on me. Uh, why don't you open your heart today to Christ? Why don't you walk out of this church with a new sense of forgiveness and freedom that only he can give. I wonder how many people in the church today could say, Pastor John, I remember a time, a place that I that I called out to God in a broken spirit. And I said, Lord, be merciful to me and save me. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. How many people remember a time like that? Would you raise your hand if you can, if you can remember a time like that? it, put your hand up as a testimony. Yes, God bless you. Yes. I wonder if, you, if you're here today and you, never, you don't have a time like that. You, you can't put your finger on a time that you opened your heart to Christ. I'd like to pray for you today that God will give you that time, even today. Would you slip your hand up for prayer? If you don't have, if you don't have an experience like that, just raise your hand and... I'll pray for you. Yes, God bless you. Yes. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for ministering to us in the church today. Uh, uh, We thank you for Jesus and what he did for us and how he presented himself for us and how he he kept pushing forward because he loves us so much. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the gift of salvation that he gives to all those who call out in repentance and faith and with a humble heart. We thank you, God, for this. In Jesus' name, amen.